Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Earlier this year, we spent some time in Judges looking at Samson. Well, today, as we continue our series, Arise, Move, and Go, we find ourselves back in Judges chapter 16, looking once again at the life of Samson and his sleep habits. Join us. Way of Grace is next. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Hi there. Welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. We're continuing our series, Arise, Move, and Go. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to step back and take a look at Samson once again. Judges chapter 16, verses 18 through 31. It's a look at his sleep habits and the lessons that we can learn from it. Join us for today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Here's Pastor Jesse. I bet you miss the application to yourself most of the time when you read the scriptures. I bet you do. Because we have an uncanny assumption that we're not the criminal or the antagonist in the text. So I'm helping you up front to strap your seatbelts on, or you can probably leave, because this will hurt. We're dealing with one of the most remarkable judges in the scripture. He's he's the most difficult to, to define biblically. Everyone thinks they understand Samson. But to understand Samson, you have to understand Jesus. And most people don't understand Jesus. So I'm praying that the Spirit of God will grant you humility today so you can learn something about your Savior. But to learn something about your Savior right, you really have to learn something about yourself. A Savior is nothing without a sinner. The last time you and I left off with our dear, beloved brother Samson, he had uh, decided to take a nap in Delilah's lap. And we, we marked how that when we play close to the world, it will put you to sleep. It will put you to sleep. And Samson has finally gone to sleep. It took a while, but he's there now. And this is really important for our understanding the turnaround in his life. Because he's there. He's he's asleep in the lap of his lover. And we're warned all the time in the Bible not to fall asleep. That's one thing your Bible tells you as you make your journey through this world not to do. But it's the easiest thing to do. 
Think about it for a moment as we drill down into the psychopathy of Samson and actually understand something about the uh, paradoxical nature of sleep. Because it's important to comprehend it. Every one of us are acquainted with sleeping. Every one of us are. Now, there are a few people in the room who may have a hard time sleeping, but most of us know something about sleep. And one thing is, we need it. We need sleep. And that becomes the uh, conundrum. It's something we need, but sleep can be very dangerous as well. And so what's in front of us is really Samson at one level of the insight getting exactly what he wants. He wants rest in the bosom of someone he can love and trust. I told you about Samson. He grew up extremely isolated, set apart unto God, consecrated in such a way as that he did not have the normal affair of growing up with children. So when he became a young man and his testosterone levels reached that maximum peak because he was a full-blooded man, he wanted to fulfill his bar mitzvah and have a wife. And, and, and that really becomes the, the legacy of, of Samson, is it not? He wants a wife. He wants his love to rest somewhere, don't you? Sure you do. Sure you do. Sure you do, please. Sure you do. Sure you do. And so Samson now is in a situation where we have to unpack this a little bit. I'm trying to make sure that we, we get down the road because I, I really do want us to understand it. Samson is in a place that is now paradoxically his home and his hurt. Now, y'all know that, too. You know, home can be the very place where you're hurt. You actually know that a lot of the pain you go through is because of the love you yield. See, I'm going to bring you there in a moment because Samson is no different than you and me. Don't be, don't be dogging my brother. I told you this man is 20 years into his ministry. Didn't I tell you that? And there are only three women he dealt with. I, I, that's pretty good in the 21st century America, isn't it? Most of us run through three women by the time we're in the sixth grade. When you're in the hood. See, I got some of my sisters looking at me like I'm crazy. Somebody help me. You know how twisted the hood is and how quickly we are sexualized at three and four and five years old. I, see, I know I have a hard time preaching to this group because you guys are not real sinners. Your pastor is, but you're not. And so when I talk about the miscued relationships that we have as boys and girls in the hood because we don't grow up in a biblical framework and we're exploring by nature. By the time we're in our third grade, we have misdefined young women and women with the boys. Can I get an amen? All right. So look, Samson, it will be about 35 years old when he dies today. And he was called by God from his mother's womb. And he begins his ministry at his middle late teens. What do you expect from a brother like Samson who has that kind of anointing on him? but to want to find rest in the bosom of someone he can trust. Now, again, like his world, so is our world, because our world is a Philistine culture today. I don't care what you say, the flesh dominates the world I live in, and it's a mess. 
And finding a good man is not easy. And finding a good woman is not easy today. I love God's word because it maps on the reality if we're brave enough to accept it. It maps on to reality if we're brave enough. You got to take your faulty presuppositional lens off and ask God to give you the lens of grace so you can see the truth in scripture and go, aha, there I am. And the next thing you want to see is Jesus because he's your only hope. So as we think about Samson, there's a lot of things I want us to deal with. I certainly want you and I to deal with the deceitfulness of sin that has the capacity, power to bring us into spiritual death, which is euphemistically phrased being asleep. To be asleep is to be spiritually dead or spiritually paralyzed. And this is why we describe the world as sleep as walking in darkness, as despondent to God, as paralyzed to the moral ethical principles of the word of God. Their eyes are open, but their heart is closed. Am I making some sense? This is why the Bible calls them children of the night. And the people of God are called children of the day. And the people of God are called, therefore, to walk as if they are awake. But sometimes God's people go to sleep, too. Because we get distracted by all the cares of this life. Am I telling the truth? So we're getting ready to go down into the rabbit hole. Join me and ask God to give you night vision. Because we're going to press down into some principles in order to work our way through this. Or else you will not appreciate Samson. And you will continue to turn your Bible into a fairy tale. And you will not see the word of God as speaking to you in a very acute way of who you are and who you and I should be in Christ. This is the problem with Christians today. They really don't believe that the Bible is the word of the living God. So notice what it says in chapter 16, verse 19. And she made him sleep upon her what? She made him sleep upon her knees. I love God's narrative, don't you? This brother is now completely in the control of this woman. And the language of making him sleep on her knees is not to be quickly whisked over. Because if you take Samson, Samson is this this warrior type figure, right? Radically committed to activism on the part of God. He's a powerful individual, not physically, but spiritually endowed. I've told you that before. Forget all of the pictures of some six foot five, robust, prodigiously built individual. Nothing of the sort was the case. But we will surmise that Samson was a handsome enough young man and and built very well enough to be attractive to, to women. He didn't have a problem in that regard. So he's normal. But what we do know about his abnormality is he had a measure of the anointing of the Spirit of God that was beyond any judge in Israel. The Spirit of God poured upon him profusely because he was sanctified and consecrated from a child. Out of his mama's womb did he grow up with God's hand on him. And this is the paradoxical nature of what we're dealing with in our text. And she made him sleep on her knees. The metaphor here again is that of a mother who has a child that she can put on her lap and comfort that child all the way into sleep. Okay, I'm not going to show you all the passages that affirm it, but it is true. In fact, 
if there's one passage I would use, it would be the child in the days of Elijah. There are many others. The child in the days of Elijah, where Elijah promised a woman who was a widow that she would have a son. She had the son, but the son got sick. And as he was waxing more and more sick, she put him on her knees and he went to sleep and died. Do you guys remember that account? Okay, if you read your Bible, you do. Now, that's exactly the same construction here. So I want you to catch the insight before we leave. The sleep that Samson is sleeping is a sleep unto death. The sleep that Samson is sleeping is a sleep unto death. He will not really and totally and fully wake up. Didn't we read the narrative? Will he not die? Because he's sleeping a sleep that will never let him fully recover again which is a warning to you and me. What it teaches me, however, is about the nature of relationships that you and I are warned about in the Bible to be careful about. Point number one in our outline, I want to get through these three subpoints before we get to points number two and three. The exhausting sleep of self-deception. Do you see it? The exhausting sleep of self-deception. Could that be a... Um, could that be a symptom that we have? The exhaustive sleep of the self-deceptive. Now watch this. Remember I told you a minute ago that sleep is something that we're all acquainted with and we are often inclined to want and need and it doesn't always come our way the right way and some of us will struggle with the benefit and blessing of sleep, right? So your Bible will do this. It will say in Ecclesiastes, God gives his beloved sleep. And that is the idea of you and I walking in unity and harmony with God, where he grants us the ability to work and provide, and we're making right decisions during the day, and we're enjoying the Lord. So by the time the nighttime comes, we're ready to go to bed in Jesus' name and happy about euphemistically dying and rising again in the morning. Is that true? And you know, if you can get a really good night's sleep, you might have a good day the next day. Your next day is, is dependent upon and contingent upon the kind of sleep you get. You know sometimes you might enter into a sleep for about 30 minutes and then that sleep is taken away and you're on all kind of rigorous thought processes and, and ideas that are causing you to struggle all night long. And that struggle will carry over to the next day, will it? Here's what I'm getting at as I drill down in it. Do not assume that you and I get good rest every night. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, why am I not resting? Because God speaks to us in the night when we don't listen to him in the daytime. But there is a kind of sleep the Bible warns about that you and I need to be careful about. And it's the sleep of false and harmful companionship. It's the sleep of false and harmful companionship. I, you see sub-point A, the sleep of companionship? Right. I, I say, I use the adjective false because you and I want companionship at some level with someone so in order for us to enjoy the life that comes with that companionship. Listen to what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says. You remember this? Remember this? I told you at the end of the message last week, you and I don't want to die alone. There are a lot of people today dying alone. That's a whole nother statistical analysis uh, factor that we need to think about. But it's not guaranteed that you and I will die with somebody loving us. 
It's not guaranteed that you and I will die with our kids, our, our grandchildren uh, watching over us and praying for, praying for us and, and granting that we leave this world in Jesus' name with our mind on God and God on us. It's not a guarantee. It's not a lot of people are dying lonely. Are you hearing me? Because they didn't play their cards right. Because in their arrogance, they thought that they could do it all by themselves. And they failed to realize you're going to get old at some point. So sisters, you're cute now, but you're not going to always be cute. And you brothers, you ain't going to always have money. And even if you do, you're going to be so shriveled up like a prune that the average sister is going to say, ah, nah, nah. And if you've messed up relationships all throughout your life in the arrogance of self-sufficiency, me, myself, and I, don't be surprised when what you have sown, you now reap. Are y'all listening to me? Don't want to die by yourself. God didn't make you that way. It is not good for man to be alone. Isn't that what your Bible says? Sure it does. I bet you didn't think you were coming to church to hear this kind of message, did you? trying to show you something. There's one alone and there's not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet there's no end of all his labor. He doesn't have anybody in his life. He's been working hard, hard, hard day and night, and then he dies by himself. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. He's got plenty of money. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor? He doesn't even have anybody to give it to. And bereave my soul of, this is also a vanity and a sore travail. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. We say it all the time, don't we, saints? I marry a lot of people. And one of the things we lay down is the principle that what God joins together. And we all understand that God cares enough about us to teach us that you are not sufficient to yourself alone. It is not good that man should be alone. Did that make some sense? It is not. Most of y'all in here know what I'm talking about. And so a few of us have figured out, you know, the, 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 the profit and gain uh, of the single status, but largely it's not a good one. And so the Bible says first, better are two because they have a good reward for their labor. Now, let me help you see the reward. Look at the next verse. Here's the reward. Look at it. For if they fall, the one can lift up his fellow. Do you see that? But woe unto him that is what? For when he falls, he hath not yet another to help him. Now, I love that text. But watch the next verse. I'm going to show you why. If you leave here with nothing else, leave here thanking God that you got somebody that loves you and is willing to put up with your crazy foolishness. Again, if two lie together, then they have what? And it gets a little cold these days, don't it? It gets a little cold. And then you go, man, I'm so glad that brother or sister is operating at 98.6 because it just heats up the sheets. I mean, even if y'all arguing, you know, hey, I'm going to get close anyway. I ain't going to touch you because we mad. I ain't going to touch you, but I'm going to get that heat because I'm trying to go to sleep. If if two live lie together, then they can heat each other. But how can one be warm alone? One more verse. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. So don't go to that last part super quick. You can go there, but not super quick. Notice the benefit of someone in your life. Someone in your life, when they walk with you, you don't have to worry about being cold. Someone in your life with you, when they walk with you, you don't have to worry about if you get into an adverse situation, dealing with it all by yourself. 
Someone, when they walk with you, if you fall, they care enough about you to help you get back up. See, you and I start to appreciate each other. I am speaking into couples' lives now. When we go to hurting, and that person we've been arguing with for the last 20 years comes through like they've always come through to help you back up, and then you go, oh, okay, maybe I better keep him. <laughs> right? Or her. And some of us have made enough mistakes to, to, to miss that blessing because we complained ourselves right out, right out of a relationship, didn't we? In many cases, that's the case. And so what we want to learn how to do is appreciate the possibility of, of uh, companionship as we leave this world or as we do life in this world. Certainly that is our man Samson, is it not? That's our man Samson. He, 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 he married a Philistine and he couldn't even have her before she was killed. That frustrated him. And then he had to live many, many years before he just said, forget it. I'm going to just holler at this chick down the street who was a whore. Y'all remember that? And, uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that God loved him and he loved God, he'd have got trapped by that whore. Because the Bible says, whosoever does not please God will be taken by the whore. You guys remember that? And God helped him escape. We make mistakes, don't we? And now he's, as I told you, the song goes, back in love again. I'm back, I'm back in love again. And he's in love with a woman who doesn't love him. Now, we know these stories. That's why I love the Bible. We know these stories. He should have got some help, but he's there now. And he is giving himself to her in such a way that he is ready to go to sleep in her lap. That's a precarious situation, isn't it? Because we're finding out that this was a very deadly sleep, aren't we? A very deadly sleep. This is how uh, David put it in Psalm 13, verse 3. I'm going to give you a little theology now around this proposition. Psalm 13, 3. Here's what David says. David says, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. The idea here is look upon me in my situation. Now, David is getting ready to ask a request of God, which you and I should ask when we're in the precarious situation that Samson is is in. And some of you guys are right now in the same situation. Watch this. Lighten my eyes. Do you see that? Because here's what he said. They are heavy with sleep. My eyes are heavy with sleep. Now, what he means by that is he's not going to bed at a chronologically appropriate hour and therefore is just tired and ready to go to sleep. He's saying, I am burdened by the troubles that are in my life. And I'm so distressed by them that I want to enter into a state of sleep because sleep often is a temporary reprieve from the burdens of life. Am I making some sense? This is cognitive science. I won't be there long. But the purpose for which, and it's important to get it because a lot of us use artificial means to go to sleep. And it's because you are not dealing with life appropriately that when it's time to rest, you can't have the organic rest that comes with a walk with God. And therefore, the body is naturally diminished in its energy and all the other mechanisms of our sympathetic nervous system can help us enter into a beautiful sleep pattern. Am I making some sense? But when your heart is troubled because of your sin and your rebellion, you got to find a way to assist yourself going to sleep every night. And this is what we call the preconditions to what? Addiction. And I can tell you he has an addiction and it's personified in Delilah. 
For those of you who are new, Delilah is actually the Hebrew expression. It's not Delilah, it's Delilah. And Samson is proving to us certain pathological addictive behavior patterns, is he not? We've talked about how men and women will take other men and women and use them as tools and crutches uh, as modes of of dysfunctional relationship, aiding and betting behavior patterns that really need to be dealt with more spiritually and more psychologically. And so here we are in the same situation. Now tell me, doesn't David know a little bit about the plight of Samson? Sure he does. Notice what he says. Lighten my eyes, O Lord. Lift my eyes from the heaviness that comes with me being weighed down by all these responsibilities in life. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.